This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Nothing that's going to keep me off that football field. And uh, I just want to shout out my teammates, man. We challenged each other. It took everybody to win this football game. So uh, shout out my teammates, baby. We're Super Bowl champs, baby. Let's go. Congratulations, Patrick. Enjoy this, man. I appreciate it. Two in four years. Is that a dynasty? Uh, I'm not going to say dynasty yet. We're not done. Okay. So I'm not going to say dynasty yet. <laughs> Congratulations. I, I like what you call it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There he is. Is he... I know he's only played... Was it five years or six? Five. This was his fifth season. Sixth in the NFL, but five as a starter. Because he was drafted in 17... And then 18, 19, 20, 20, 20. Yeah. So five years as a starter, five trips to the AFC Championship game, three trips to the Super Bowl, two Super Bowl wins, two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs. If he never played another game of football ever, would he be considered, I mean, Tom Brady is, is going to be atop the, the list. But like, would people literally talk about him now after five years, never played again? I mean, they do it with Koufax, who played oh, like nine, right? More so. Yeah. More so, because like if he disappeared right now, yeah, the the legend of because if if he stopped playing now, the question would be how many Super Bowls could he have won? Like, could he have surpassed Brady? Right? Mm-hmm. Like this doesn't this doesn't look like it's going to end. This doesn't look like oh man, you know, teams have fi- figured out what Mahomes does well, and he's slowing. Down. I mean, the man played on a high ankle sprain and was running. Faster than most guys can run. So yes, I I think that that he is charting a course right now, um, where where no matter what is no matter what takes place from today forward, he is in the conscious of football history. Yeah, we have, but we'll get to statements here, and and you guys take it whichever direction you want to talk. Vikings angle, you want to just get into like the Rihanna halftime show. I whatever we want to get into here, but. I see uh I see a section of Vikings internet. Vike Cousins Crusaders love to do happy dances every time something happens that validates their stance that like Kirk is a football victim for life. Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl. See, look, see. See? Well, okay. <laughs> They're two different humans. <laughs> They're it's it, Matthew Stafford doing something a year ago has nothing to do with Kirk Cousins and and what his ten plus years in legal. But another one happened yesterday, which is well, Patrick Mahomes. You guys always talk about you can't win a Super Bowl if one player makes thirteen and a half percent of the salary cap. There he is, Patrick Mahomes was at like sixteen or seventeen percent. So now that argument's out the window. Well, uh, he's Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes doing something doesn't now mean that everyone can do it. Oh, see, you just have to put a couple pieces around Kirk and then he can also, in fact, give him a raise. Let's get a, let's get him up to the Patrick Mahomes level and then turn him loose. I just find the, the 
the dances that everyone does the day after is like validation for Kirk Cousins' mediocre well, football career to this point. If that's what's t- taking place, what makes that super intriguing is the uh, the parallel is this then. Okay, Justin Jefferson's gone. Right, because that's what the Chiefs did. Tyreek Hill. Yeah, can, can you make a star out of the, that Rutgers seventh-round pick guy? Yep. They took, they took their version of Justin Jefferson and willingly traded him because they said our quarterback has to make X amount. So that's the question. If you were to take Jefferson, call him in today and say, you know what? We are riding or dying with Kirk Cousins. JJ, you are going to look great with the Raiders or, I don't know, the Rams. Take your pick. That's the equivalent. That's a great comeback because it's kind of the opposite of what people want. It's like, well, you got Kirk. You just got to give him support. Go get him five more uh, defensive players. Go get him a couple more guards, a a receiver. The Chiefs are stripping weapons away from Patrick Mahomes and replacing with, let's see if Juju Smith-Schuster still has a chance to be relevant. Let's go get, uh, was it uh, Valdez Scantling from uh, the scrap heap in free agency and see. And, dude, how much do you feel if you're Tyree killed this morning has he, has he tweeted or posted anything on Instagram? I didn't look. You are sent away for draft capital. Oh, the Chiefs are never going to remember what he said. He said something about like he made a couple comments in the offseason about how Tua is is every bit the quarterback of Mahomes or something. <laughs> I love those. <laughs> You're watching those guys. Greg Jennings. <laughs> Christian Ponder. I can make him. No, actually. Can't. No, that's not how it. <laughs> not to compare Tua to Ponder. Um, All right, Judd, you lead us off here. All right. Statements Monday. Right, On the ninth anniversary of Mackie and Judd, by the way. Today, oh, is it really? It's emotional. Ninth anniversary of Mackie I and Judd. I didn't think of that. That's oh. right. That's right. The uh, our our first show was on the heels of the uh, of the ill advised Russell Wilson pass, right? I think that it was. was yes. Yeah. By uh, Butler. No. All right. My first statement is this: Let the fun begin. Let the fun begin, because if you're a Vikings fan, now it gets good. Now it gets intriguing. The Combine is coming up at the end of the month, and that will be followed by, I think I got this right, pro days, free agency. I mean, well, wait, no, the legal tampering period. And then (laughs) right after that, the beginning of the new league year and free agency followed by a ton of draft speculation, but more importantly, a ton of roster moves as well. So I've I've always considered, if you don't make a extended playoff run, that your the dormant time is really from the day that your season comes to an end until the Super Bowl is done. And then it's not dormant. It's great fun. So let the fun begin. If you're a Vikings fan, this is going to be a fantastic time. It's going to be an intriguing time. And most of all, it's going to be a time that Purple Daily is recklessly speculating to you on a daily basis because this is, as Phil will tell you as well, this might be the most fun just as far as going through possibilities and player availability. Yes, and I'll piggyback off what you just said, that uh, Adam Thielen is at the forefront of some of the things that could happen here. So Adam is on the hook, or I guess the Vikings are on the hook, for a $19 million cap hit on uh, Adam Thielen's 2023 contract. Thielen did the media rounds. Here's my statement. Adam Thielen has a very clear agenda. So he, whether it's with the Vikings or elsewhere, he wants to make money, but he wants a more active role. That's the thing, though. I don't even, I don't really know, understand, like... I, 
he wants to feel more appreciated, wants to feel like he's a big piece of the puzzle, right? Like his wife put those messages out. And uh, and he did confirm that the Vikings are working on some things as it pertains to his contract. And by working on some things, I think that just means pay cut, right? Like he's going to make less money if he stays with the Vikings. And he's trying to figure out, okay, where's that breaking point where I would just rather you cut me so I can go sign with right. some other team. But right. what is he looking for that the Vikings didn't give him last year? He got paid a bunch of money. And he was the second most targeted pass catcher on the team. Yep. Like, well, what am I missing? I think one is I think that he wa- he wants to be seen. I think as, as more of the guy that he was with Diggs, which was. Uh, but he's not. I agree with you there. I'm I'm saying my <laughs> my interpretation of what his wife has said and what he has said is he wants that roll back. He doesn't think he's cooked. He thinks that he was hurt. And he's going to come back. I think that that he's probably cooked. But, and th- this was, I think, brought up by A.J. Hawk, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Declan might have uh, played this on Friday's show. On McAfee's program, which is, you know, you could give him his the majority of his 2023 salary as a signing bonus and get that off the cap then. So it's just a single check. And then pay him the minimum, and that goes on the cap. But of course, again, that is kicking the can down the road. Well, then you're putting more. But when you do the signing bonus thing, you're putting more cap hits in the, into future seasons, right? So that, exactly. Yes. No, no. That's the point. But what I'm saying is, I don't know that he understands a pay cut is coming. I think he thinks, okay, just restructure it and kick the can down the road and give me my money, man. And they're probably saying, uh, no, you're not worth this. So, long story short. Yes, I think this is going to be a very intriguing and probably, if not messy, a potentially complicated divorce between Thielen and his boyhood team. Yeah, and he and just to be clear here, here's what he told uh, the McAfee show. We're working through some stuff because I got a big cap hit, Thielen said. So he, under- yep. yeah, you know, he understands what's happening here. Um, they're going to try and do something, so we'll see. But then he reiterated, he wants to help a team, show a team he can play at a high level, help them win football games. Talked about growing up watching Chris Carter, Andy Moss. I want to retire a Viking. Will that happen? I don't know. This is also a business. That's the thing. Want to retire a Viking. But if the Vikings say, for us to be a Super Bowl contender, you have to be a clear number three receiver that makes a fraction of what you're making. If you agree to those terms, we would love to have you around. You're a leader. You're a face of this franchise. I don't think he would agree. So if they set new terms and say, we want you to retire a Viking too, but it's got to be on these terms. If he says no, then he doesn't really want to retire as a Viking, right? No, he doesn't. No, no, So no. that's like when they throw, it's all semantics when they say stuff like that. It's Kyle Rudolph 2. It's the same movie. We've seen it before. It's just the sequel. It's, I want things on my terms. And I guarantee you. It's kind of, it's kind of gaslighting a little bit. It is gaslighting. Well, for sure, but they I don't want me. You, no, they want you. Just not at nineteen million dollars on the but cap you know what? guy. Let's just get divorced, okay? First of all, <laughs> I, I I don't want you no more. And second of all, I guarantee you, he was offended not by the the um, clear cut greatness of Justin Jefferson. He was offended by the emergence and trade for T.J. Hawkinson, who in his mind took his role. But it was a great move. <laughs> it know? helped the offense he, a lot. Yeah. I, I know, but he thinks I'm going to come back and be viable, and I'm still Adam Thielen, and now I can resume my role. 
I think this is this is one. I'm done trying to play nice here. This is one where the glo- you know Judd's what? taking the gloves, gloves off. off. Just, there we go. Come on, the board. Right, right. But 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 that's the thing is like you bring back guys like Kendricks, and then you're like, well, we because we still love you. You don't owe that to anybody. You each gave each other a lot, and it's time. And you know what? If Thielen wants to go to the Titans and play, and he's good, God bless him for that. But that's the thing about this. This is day old bread, man. This is shelf life. Sometimes you gotta just toss it in the garbage because it didn't sell. Mm. I love it, Judd's. Judd's not messing around anymore. Nope. But well, you kind of make moves. That's how you're going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. All right, Dex. All right, my first statement after watching both these teams, obviously great quarterback play. Uh, so there's some great skill position guys on both these teams. But to be honest, the biggest takeaway, it starts in the trenches. That's my statement. It starts in the trenches. Uh, the Viking, or the Eagles have a great offensive line. The Chiefs have a great offensive line. Uh, both those teams also rushed the passer incredibly well, and both those offensive lines held up their quarterbacks. It was a master class between Mahomes and Hurts. Number one, avoiding the pressure, but their offensive line also giving them enough time to make the throws that they have to make. And the Vikings have two franchise tackles, right? Great tackles. Christian Derrissaw, it looks like he's a stud. Brian O'Neill's been in the league a good amount of time now, but still, he's a very good right tackle. It starts in these trenches here. You have to find a new potentially a starting center. Obviously, Ezra Cleveland is a good, capable guard, but is there another level to his game? Ed Ingram obviously was a pretty um, was, was pretty miss uh, in, in his first season, was a big miss in his rookie season with the Vikings. You have to build this stuff in the trenches, and I think the Eagles and the Chiefs provided that example of if you're able to build up in the trenches, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is necessarily. That's not what I'm trying to make. But if your offensive line is sound and one of the best in the league, which both these teams have, it starts in those trenches, and that's where the Vikings can also learn a Super Bowl lesson. Here's a question. I'm not disagreeing with you because you're right. Those offensive lines and defensive lines are on another level compared to the Vikings. If Jalen Hurts was the Vikings quarterback behind the same exact offensive line, do you think we would praise the Vikings offensive line more? because it, Or Patrick Mahomes. But let's use the more realistic example of a guy that, like, you could have got anyone could have drafted Jalen Hurts. He's a mobile quarterback in the second round with some accuracy issues that they smoothed out. If they would have drafted Jalen Hurts and he would play the way that he's playing now, and you still had Garrett Bradbury and Ezra Cleveland, maybe you find a better right guard. But would, would the Vikings offensive line be regarded or perceived as better because you have a guy that how many times last night, whoop, whoop, go over here. Oh, I'm just going to move out to the right here and throw a ball, you know, outside the, the hashes. I don't fault the line. Um, I get what Dex is saying, and I do agree. But I, I think the answer to your question, Phil, I think it lies within the Chiefs' last Super Bowl, which, of course, was the loss to the Buccaneers. And if you recall, the Chiefs were a that, – that line, partially, I think, because of injury, was a complete mess. And the tackles were terrible. And Mahomes basically spent the entire game running for his life without a chance. Um, and so that, w- that was an example – of why your tackles have to be good. Like you need, but I struggle with faulting the Vikings line a lot from this year. And the answer to your question, in my opinion, is I think that Hertz or Mahomes behind this line, especially with those two tackles, would be damn good. Now, previous lines, no, no, uh uh-uh. The Vikings put out some garbage there. But this line, aside from the right guard, was pretty damn good. And the other thing is, and it's partially because that they can just, with their feet, move the pocket, but also just their flat-out ability instinctually. 
if you watch these two QBs, their ability to run, but also know when to run and take off, like that saves a lot of problems. Because if things break down, guess what? He's gone. I, I mean, Hertz has has zero problem. He might take off too much. I don't know. But I think the Vikings line is actually at a pretty good place. And if Ingram improves a bit, I think it's in potentially a really good place. I don't think we know. I don't think we harp on it as much if it was the quarterback reversal to your point, Phil. I don't. I don't think we harp on the offensive line as much because he is able to be elusive and and get away from it. Perception, I guess, changes a bit, but I I think there's stuff. We we also as Minnesota, like Minnesota Vikings fans, they just love to harp on the line. It's also just a classic football thing of of calling in to to bitch about an offensive yeah. line. People so, always like misperceive how yeah. bad their offensive line is compared to all the other teams. Yes, so that's also a thing for sure. <laughs> Even the best offensive lines are still giving up a ton of pressure because it's the NFL. Yeah. Um. But I mean, the, do the Vikings have a top five offensive line? No. Do they have a top five set of tackles? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. They actually do. I don't think you can find five other teams with with a, a better left right tackle combination. Judd, all right, I'm going to, to be the first to actually not talk about the game, but something from the game. And my statement is this: It's time. It's time to institute the Zolgad plan. Okay. All right, the halftime show. Oh. It, so, just Wait, a quick. Is this going to be old white guy complains about Rihanna's halftime performance? No, 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 no. I have no problem. Okay. I know where he's going. Okay. No, no. I, I believe the Beatles did their last concert at Candlestick Park in San Francisco circa 1967. And they stopped doing them because one of the major things was the production of what they were trying to do, like with sound back then and things, was not possible. It had jumped the shark. So, like, no one could hear them. Their playing had become too intricate. So it just didn't work, Okay. Fast forward to yesterday. Rihanna, the National Football League, and her choreographer folks have cool ideas. And we've been going down this path for quite some time. She's not the first, all right? But I've been calling for years for this thing to be moved off-site into, like, a theater, into a place where you can actually have a controlled environment and where you're not trying to rush through it because you basically have a 25-minute window or something like that, okay? Okay. It's time to take these halftime shows and put them in theaters, in concert halls. I don't know what exactly. But Can those people is, in the theater then, like, watch the game on a big screen or something? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I'm not okay. trying to kill fun here. I'm trying to say I thought what they were trying yeah. to do was very hard to pull off in the confines of an outdoor stadium quickly. But what they were trying to do was actually cool. I have no problem with it, and I have no problem with her. And she's not the first. What I'm saying is we have now gotten to a point where the halftime show is 1,000% its own production, its own game. Like, it it deserves, if you're going to do what they do, it deserves more focus than trying to shoehorn, shoehorn it onto a field during the biggest game of the season quickly. So I'm not, I'm not bitching. I'm not complaining. I am saying that I think it's time to explore, and I would sell tickets. The fans at the game can watch it. That's awesome. Yeah, you could sell, like, 70,000 extra tickets, I would, basically. Exactly. I would sell tickets. But I mean, what they were trying to do and what she was trying to do, I think, is a lot cooler in a controlled environment where that's the only focus in that building. That day. You know what you could do, actually? I, I love this idea. So you sell out one stadium, <clears throat> excuse me, for the actual Super Bowl. 
and then you sell out a second stadium, and then like at halftime in the Super Bowl stadium, you could still show the on the big screens or whatever. You could still oh, no, show no. the concert to those people, yes. sort of closed circuit or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then and then you sell out. Maybe you sell fifty thousand seats or something, or maybe it's an arena or whatever. So it's extra ticket sales, right? Yep. Yep. You could do. It could be like there's one concert before the game, and then people settle in a different artist, like a, like a pregame fun concert, and then people settle into their seats and they watch the first half of the actual game, and then Rihanna performs at halftime on national TV, which is where the real audience is. That's where you get the hundred million people, not the seventy thousand people in the stadium, right? It's a t- it's a TV production more than anything. Yep. You can make more money. You don't have to be worried about. Uh, actually, this leads into my next statement. <laughs> The field conditions, for instance, which oh, were bad the in the hell? first half. Yep. So I'm not sure how many uh, Vikings fans know this, but if you're a Twins fan, you've been to spring training, you probably know that George Toma is the longtime groundskeeper at Hammond Stadium. He's the kind of the short old guy with the tanned leather skin that walks around in his blue softball shorts, no shirt, every single day, making sure that the Hammond Stadium sod is perfect. He has also been the official Super Bowl groundskeeper for like six decades. This is from today. Since 1967, today.com. George Toma has worked as a groundskeeper for every single Super Bowl, earning him a variety of nicknames, including the God of Sod and the Sod Father. But after 56 years with the 2023 Super Bowl, his 57th Super Bowl, this one will mark the last one of George Toma's career. He told WNEP, quote, this is my last Super Bowl, definitely. I would like to see the youngsters carry on, said 94-year-old Toma. And my statement is, yeah, it's probably for the best. That field was almost unplayable somehow yesterday. Those guys were slick. Kickers were slipping. Skill position guys were slipping. So on, on his podcast, Patrick Peterson explained why. He actually did it before the game, and he completely called it because he, he obviously spent a long time with Cardinals. So what they do is that's an indoor stadium. I think it's a retractable roof. But that turf is on a grid where they can actually – they take it they, – they put it outside the stadium on the grid at night. So it is outdoors, supposedly, that's supposed to be good. But what Peterson said is, if it gets cold at all, when they wheel it back in to the actual field, the moisture picks up, and so it gets slippery. And so the issue was, that's exactly what took place. Peterson called it, and so it was slippery. But you know what's stupid? How many, and this has been prevalent, I think, in college ball games of late as well, how many bad fields now do we see because of this? Like, they look good, aesthetically pleasing on TV. It did look very nice. But, yeah, it, it looked great. But, I mean, how many, you know, how many times do we have to hear, well, they got to go to seven stud cleats now, you know? it's You're exactly right. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Toma That's added cool. in this interview, too, that for the first 27 Super Bowls, we spent $500 on the field. This field cost $750,000. I think they might want to make sure there's a warranty. Make sure there's some sort of a, a manager they can call to get their money back. All right. Uh, one more. Declan, you got yeah, one more? I'll, I'll do a halftime comment as well. Um, I think my, my statement is bitching about the halftime show was wasted energy. 
I, I just think the, the whole thing of how we always complain about this musical act at a Super Bowl is just wasted energy. We're, we're here to watch a football game, eat some snacks. Dude, she was like six months pregnant yeah. doing a freaking halftime show. Maybe watch no, some funny exactly. commercials. And in the break of that, that 13 minutes, the 13 minutes of the four-hour affair, we're going to get a keyboard warrior because we didn't like the musical performance <laughs> at a football game. What, it's, it's wasted energy energy to complain about this i thought she was great personally i thought she was great she's excellent and her music catalog is absurd dave bessler our cfo just knocked on the door he said hey did you hit any of your rihanna songs and i said i got one out of five because she has so many damn hits i had to write that down with you guys thinking oh these five these should be locks she only sang one of those songs she was incredible but i I think the whole thing of people complaining this happens every year right it happens every year People come out on their keyboards to complain about the musical act of the Super Bowl. And if that is like your biggest takeaway from the Super Bowl, that you can't stand the musical act, I think I think you're wasting your energy on your Sunday. Bravo. I'm, I'm with Declan on this yep. one, okay? I have no problem with that. It's, I'm it's, trying to fix the damn thing. I like Judd's solution. I'm trying to help the league. I'm I trying think, to help the league. I here. think post-game. I saw a note from our listener because I took your graphic, Judd. I put it on the Score North Twitter account. And someone said you do a concert post-game on the field. Actually, I would think sure. that's a good idea too. It keeps like the people still there and stuff. Probably keeps. But then, what do up. you do at halftime? You just run advertising, I, and I think the NFL would love that personally. No, I think you got to have something at halftime. But that's what I'm saying: is take it off site and sell tickets. Guess what? You would have people travel to the halftime show. Well, like you, if you put it in New York, they go to New York to watch the halftime. What you show. could do is, to Declan's point, let's say it's just like it's a 13 minute performance. It's a it's. What if you just said, "Hey." We're going to put, and I don't know how you would do this because then you'd have to like subjectively rank these. We're going to put the 10 best Super Bowl commercials at halftime, and we're going to run them in two blocks. So if you want to see the best commercials, yeah, this you is have it. to watch at halftime. But I don't know who – you couldn't really do like a you know what? a pay-for-play because then you wouldn't have the most entertaining ones. You just have the ones that are you know, paid the most. That's where I'll complain. I think the Super Bowl commercials have jumped the shark. Yeah. Because the expectation is so high now, I don't think you can really succeed. It's and like hard. These call- it's hard. And like these callbacks to my youth now, you know, something else from the 80s. John Travolta, here he comes. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, what what does that mean to anybody? Held together by plastic surgery. Oh, my exactly. God. Exactly. Like- but like, and what does that, like, like all of these, like, you know, throwback commercials to, to a, a film from 1986 or something, does that mean a damn thing anymore? Yeah. Uh, Do you care? Yeah, I think I think I don't think the commercials are necessarily worse. I think it's just hard to live up to. Now everyone's waiting for it. Like in the early '90s, it was it kind of snuck up on you. It was like, whoa, these are whoa, these are hilarious, creative, and you weren't exposed. Like 30 years ago, you weren't exposed <laughs> to like hours of media and stimulation. Your bar for what you will sit through for 30 seconds is so much higher now than it than it was. You know, you're just you're past it. Actually, I thought the most. To me, the most creative commercial was when they did the uh, the broad the broadcast booth. Hey, the first half oh, they're speaking, and then Tubi like those SOBs. Tubi tricked a lot of people with smart TVs into thinking that someone in the room changed the channel as they were coming yeah. back for the second half. I don't know if you saw that one, Judd, or if you were going. Oh no, I did. Yeah, I, I accused uh, my fiance's stepfather. I was like, "Are you? Cha- what are you doing?" I literally said, "What are you doing? What are you doing? You what really? are you doing?" Yeah, I thought he was changing the channel. I was like, "What are you doing, dude?" And he was like, <laughs> told, "I'm not doing anything." My wife did that to me too. We were watching on my because we are. Our stuff is still uh, arriving in transit at some point. We were watching on a laptop, and she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa what's happening? What's happening? I'm like, it's 
I'm not. It's, it's Tubi. I knew the way we got that. Because it came on, it was a little bit, the, the whole context of the picture was altered just a little bit. So I'm like, yeah, it's clearly a commercial. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, you've watched enough. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Real quick, one more. Uh, Greg Olson is incredible at his job. He's pretty good. And at some point in a couple years, he's going to get bumped for Tom Brady probably. but It might not be for long. He's got to hopefully land somewhere in a prime time. I don't want him doing like the third game on Fox with Kenny Albert. We're here in Detroit for another Bears-Lions extravaganza. Noon on Fox. (laughs) Lay off my guy, I'm here with Greg Olson. I'm feeling very throaty today, Greg. The guy works works more sporting events than anyone ever. Um, Actually, you know what? One of the great upsets that I would have never told you when the season started, but I will now, is this. Um, Greg Olson is the best analyst going in the league right now, and Tony Romo has fallen down my ranking substantially. Well, didn't CBS and, have like a come-to-Jesus meeting well, with Tony Romo? CBS yeah. denied it. The Post reported it. I'm going to say the Post is right. Yeah. And they're not wrong. He has he has lost the fastball in aggressive fashion because i think that the whole thing is he doesn't do prep i think that first year he was uh, just unbelievable he got the bag he got 20 million dollars and now he he knew what they but at that time he he just got done playing so he like knew what everyone was doing right yeah and now things change things evolve he has fallen down my ranking substantially i'd have to kind of compare i guess because we don't get a ton of tony romo games and usually if if there's like a late afternoon game that you might follow on red zone or something we're doing vent line so i I haven't had enough Tony Romo uh, exposure, I guess, in the last couple of years. To I thought the playoff game with Jim Nance was real troublesome for me. Mm. And uh, Olsen's good. You're right. Real quick, on-air production meeting, because I know, Dex, you have a Realistic Randy coming up. Would you guys want a table wild discussion for, like, tomorrow? That's probably fine. they got a big game. Judd, by the way, Sam Steele scratch, too, so we can uh, we can talk oh, about all this tomorrow. You know what's funny? Judd. He actually played well Saturday, Okay, and they scratched him. I'd be scratching different guys, but let's talk about that tomorrow because there's ideas I've yeah. got that I could help Dean with. The thing, real quick, on one last thing on Greg Olson. Well, th- there's there's three things I took note of. Like, oh yes, I've been begging broadcasters for do to do this and explain this. He explained why taking a delay of game is yes. m- is is better for like your chances to win by holding out of the timeout because the coaches will just burn timeouts if the play clock's winding down. Oh God, he goes, but. That type of thing happens. There's, it's, it's a procedural thing. You don't get the plan in time. And so you're trying to balance, should we go from third and eight to third and 13, or should we call a timeout? Now, of course, right after he explained why it was a great decision to do that, <laughs> he did it. then they, like, five plays later they called a timeout. Um, but then he started arguing later with Mike Pereira about the ticky-tack defensive holding call, too. I love it. Like He's, he's got his own opinions, um, and he's not afraid to like argue with Mike Pereira. And then he was explaining too adamantly why Jarek McKinnon should not score a touchdown, but should, yep. and he was doing it like two plays in advance. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. 
They're going to run one play, and then the second play, if they break one, go past the first down line, but stop. And he's yelling, go down, go down, go down. I don't know. He is, yeah. He's not necessarily a household name because he was just like a B-level tight end, but I think he was awesome. And Tom Brady should back away from Greg Olson. Yeah. Maybe maybe Tom Brady can be with Kenny Albert. Oh, it's Kenny Albert here. Welcome in to Fox NFL Sunday. I'm with Tom Brady here in Detroit, where we now reside. Studio show. Studio show for TV. Okay, the Fox studio show has to go. I, I I think I did I this. I fired these guys like two years You're ago. Good. It is dude. It's been the same guys for thirty years. It's, it's crazy. Awful. It's time. Like they added Strahan. What like oh, six? Yeah. They added Strahan like six years ago after you retired. Dude, I think it was longer than that. It was probably longer. I think it's been fifteen years. That for is Strahan. the newest addition to that. Is the same other four bozos who are now like <laughs> kind of. I mean, they're kind of getting senile. Like it's just it's time. It's time to pull the plug here. Get a new well, crew. Jimmy in Johnson. There. Bradshaw, I think Tony Gonzalez joined for a while and, and then bolted. Um, okay, I have it. Yeah, I, I have but the yeah, it's it used to be incredibly hip. Like it was, oh, they're so funny, and now it's just ugh. Howie Long and Terry Bradshaw, legendary, legendary. The start. They've been doing that show for since 1994. Yeah, for sure. Jimmy Johnson did it the first two years. Then he got then he went to the Dolphins. Right, he got back into coaching. But then Jimmy Johnson's been doing it since 2001 again, so that's 22 years. Uh, Kurt Menefee took over for for JB in 2007. Michael Strahan, 16 years. He's been doing it for 16 years, and he's the new guy. Yeah. Well, Gronk, I think Gronk. Oh, Gronk, sure. Gronk and small well, then, doses. You know, they'll they'll throw on a about. Dean Blandino or like, you know, they throw these <laughs> random dudes in the morning sometimes. But it that crew is, it's it's time, dude. It's it's time. <laughs> it's hilarious. And they, did, didn't oh, they, they just name that uh, Derek Jeter's going to be on the baseball yeah. panel now? Yep. Great move by baseball announcing. I know Fox wants to do it in front of the most audience, but classic baseball where it's like, here's hey, a, yes. here's a really big baseball thing that we're going to announce on Super Bowl Sunday. Send tweet <laughs> pitchers and catchers reporting today. Here they come. Get- oh, have oh, you seen God. today? Like it's all over to, oh. oh, we're right around the corner. We got next. No, actually no. One Wait gets. till Wednesday. We're still, we're still processing what happened. Yeah. Baseball's timing always. Um, speaking of uh, warm weather activities that you're longing to do in the cold here, the golf show, the 2023 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show at the Minneapolis Convention Center is coming up here in just a couple of weekends, February 24th through the 26th, presented in part by Score North. And uh, tickets are just $6. Let me find this promo code here. Tickets are $6 at minnesotagolfshow.com. Uh, and that includes, by the way, you can come and hang out with us. Judd and I are going to do a podcast on Friday afternoon and again on uh, Saturday afternoon. And uh, you can come hang out with us. We might even be, I don't know, cheersing a couple of beers over at the uh, 19th hole. 14 free rounds of golf and uh, all sorts of vendors that have clothing and um, golf trips. It's it's just a nice little respite if you're like Declan and I and you enjoy thinking about golf during these winter months. But minnesotagolfshow.com, the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. And uh, here we go. I think I found this promo. Golfer. Golfer. Promo code. MinnesotaGolfShow.com. Promo code GOLFER for your $6 tickets. All right. Good session there. We covered some. uh, We fixed. We basically fixed the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. We fixed the Vikings on Purple Daily today. So what else do you want us to fix? Fix the Twins bullpen? People seem very high. We're working on that tomorrow. Okay. 
Sounds good. Do you want us to talk twin spring still twin spring training preview this week? Let us know. We uh, we'll talk some twins this week if you guys if you guys want. And we're uh, like I said, we're fixing the Vikings all week on Purple Daily. Today is sort of day zero or day one for the 2023 uh, building of these NFL teams. So Purple Daily is your home. We'll see you guys tomorrow on Mackie and Judd.